DC movie is out now in theaters. The Rotten Tomato score, 79% by the critics and 0% by the audience. Because by the time we're reviewing this, the majority has not seen it yet. And I have to say, Adan, you can agree or disagree, but the DCU has officially started. This can go either way, but yeah. Welcome back to Tales of Two Bros. My name is Angel. I'm Adan. Where we give you a review at least once a week. Spoiler alert, The Blue Beetle, which is actually like the prologue of the DCU or the new DCU. Superman Legacy will officially kick off the DCU. We have here, written by Gareth Dunnett Alcacer. I'm sorry. Here I go. I'm going to mess up some names. And I'm Hispanic, so forgive me. Directed by Angel Manuel Soto. Starring as the Blue Beetle. How do you say his name? Jolo? I couldn't pronounce it even on Karate Kid. Cobra Kai. Co- uh, Cobra Kai, yes. That I could say. <laughs> Zolo Maraduela, Bruna Marquezina, Becky G. I don't know who Becky G was. I never saw Becky G in the movie, but Damien Alcazar, George Lopez. That one I could say. Adriana Pareza, Belisa Escobedo, Herbadia Calillo, Susan Saranda. I could say that one. Harvey Julian and Raul Max Trujillo playing Carabax. Also, you have here, for those who watch Twisted Metal, he has a cameo, Taj Vagans. Did you recognize him? I did. And uh, to answer uh, your statement about Becky G, that's the voice of the suit. Oh, uh, thank you. Da. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was like, who? I didn't see her. But then, yes, you're right. Taj Vagans. Now, I know very little of the Blue Beetle, especially this one, mm-hmm. Jaime Reyes. I am more familiar with Ted Cord, that Blue Beetle, the old version, which I loved here in the sense they honored the old and the new. They, they showed that they didn't do what they did. Like normally, they just start a whole new thing and they forget the old school. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And I love that they showed the costumes and of the old, we'll say Silver Age or Golden Age version of the blue beetle yeah and his his ride i, I want to say the fight. silver age was the blue beetle so well, there's two costumes there you saw there was actually three one without the with the mannequin without the costume yeah and he was more like the batman version it like kind of kind of yeah right but a little different not as cold a little more friendly in comparison to what we have as bruce wayne and batman oh absolutely and green yes. and green arrow they all right. fall in the same basket. Are you familiar with the Blue Beetle? I am, but I don't follow it in the comics. I know a little bit about it in the comics. Um, most of my knowledge from Blue Beetle actually comes from like the shows and the uh, animations uh, right. where they okay. introduce him. Like Young Justice. Yeah. Um, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Specifically this Blue Beetle as well I'm referring to. The other Blue Beetle, um, the... Ted Cord, the version that you're talking about, I'm familiar with him from the comics because I grew up reading Ted Cord. So, like, he was around during the death of Superman age. Before then. He was around before then and after. As a matter of fact, it, like, he was even around not too long ago, um, maybe about 10, 20 years ago. He's technically, like, best friends with another character, Booster Gold. So, yes. And that's why we'll talk about it later, but that's mm-hmm. the, a relevant thing. One of the things that I did want to point out is uh, the suit, uh, the three suits that you're talking about. One of the mm-hmm. mannequins or statues had a pillow strapped to the 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 front. That has to do with Ted Cord because there was a moment in the comics where Ted Cord gained weight and he couldn't fit into his original suit, so he redesigned the suit to add for like a, a slight gut. It's a true okay. thing, and it was like around the times when he was hanging out with Booster yeah, I Gold. I didn't get that reference, but that's cool. Yeah, this in, in you're saying prologue or epilogue? I guess it could, it, I, it could be both, really. No, no. really, no. Well, I know. No. I, I'll put it this way because I know technically well, Flashpoint was supposed did, to be the end, right, but they, but they. Re- he did refer to a super. I think he said Superman and Batman. They live in his universe. Yeah, but but the the Flashpoint was supposed to be like a reset, and right of the DCEU and kind of leading for the DCU in a way. But this and James Gunn has said it that this is like a prelogue. Um, I'm keep talking to the camera. It is a prelogue 
to the DCU. And so, then Superman Legacy is the official kickoff. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, okay. I didn't know if it was official by James Gunn. I mean, it makes that's, sense. That's, that's why I call it That's why I call it a, pro, a prologue. Prologue, prologue, excuse me. Mm-hmm. That's why I call it a prologue because it is and isn't official. It's like it's like an introduction into the world. Yes, and for that, and I like then, that. Yeah. I like I like a little bit of introduction. It doesn't have to be a full on. How was your audience experience? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> actually, my audience was fairly quiet, like from the get go. Um, not really too packed. There was people that showed up, laughed when there were some moments to laugh, and then pretty much stayed. You know, for the credits, and they were like just fo- zoomed in focus. No kids or rowdy people. Same, which is weird though. Like. When I bought the tickets, you know, because we get assigned seats. When we bought the tickets, it seemed more packed. When we got there, not so much. Maybe they changed. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's during the weekday. It was, it was relatively early, like 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I was the most vocal one. I was getting the references. I was, us being Hispanic and have, living in a Hispanic home, mm-hmm. I definitely got the reference. And that being said, I'm also a little nervous. Since it's very Hispanic heavy, it may get turned it may be turned into like uh, it hits one too many stereotypes or something like that well no no what i'm saying is like it may turn off the white population if you will because this oh. i i'm sorry i found this to be a really good story yeah it's i would very i would good, say it, well done origin story yes there is some references like you can see some comparisons to iron man you can see some other comparisons uh to other things uh but oh yeah i thought this was a solid origin story yeah, the audience was was mixed. You have you have families there, definitely Latinos. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, reference to Maria de Barrio and El Ch- uh, Chaplin uh, Carrado, yeah, I was dying, and, and the member uh, the audience was cracking up too in that sense because I remember I don't know if you remember, but Maria de, de Barrio that was a hit that mom would have like watch parties. At our house really i don't remember that did it stop around the 80s yeah, or something like that yeah because it was a telenovela and telenovelas don't last forever it has like they run for like six to maybe 26 weeks it's like it's just one story it doesn't have like multiple seasons correct it's not like you're uh, like mom watching the guiding light and then you have the the uh, the superhero <laughs> el uh, uh chaplin uh Corrado. he was the one in the, the red and yellow didn't they do like a live action thing of that? Yes, that's what the, that's what I remember. That's what it is. And that, so when they had that reference point and that showing like that was our superhero for the Hispanic market, mm. that's what I loved about it. And then you have the Blue Beetle, who's the next Hispanic or Latino superhero to come out, true, or or be rep- representation because you know you have white superheroes throughout almost all. Uh, superhero franchises. Mm-hmm. Then you have the women, and then you have a sprinkle of black, and you have some Asian, and even less with Latino. And I say Latino Hispanic. I know it's probably like Hispanic X, whatever, but or Latino X or Latin X. I don't know. I, I I think that's stupid. That's me personally. I just had a great time with this movie. I I mean, this seventy nine percent score from the critics. I don't I, like for me again. They're being a little biased True. because they're probably not Latino. They're probably have no understanding of the Latin culture. True. I can agree with that. There are flaws and, with the movie. I won't say there won't be any, but. Oh, no, there there mm-hmm. is. But in comparison to the other ones. No, no, no. In comparison, it's, I mean, it's a solid film. Yeah, definitely. Now you have, you know, Jaime Reyes. He's pretty much the same character he played in Cobra Kai. There's no real big jump, in my opinion, mm-hmm. from his acting. It seemed like it seemed like the same kid. Very similar acting you know style like, or performance. I I see the similarities. George Lopez was awesome. He was funny as hell, being that you know tough guy, but really scared and like you know when he screams or what have you. I, I thought that was great performance. Even everyone. Now I do have oh and the Nana. Nana was great. She was, she was great. Mm-hmm. And she reminded me of like our grand aunts from our grandma's side. I saw the resemblance there and I got a kick out of that. Especially when you see a side of her that no one knew. 
that's from her past. I actually uh, think the the weapon she picked up. You notice it had Gatling all. Gun. Uh, no, it, it's definitely a Gatling gun, but it's I got a rainbow set of colors that's rotating from. I can't remember the name of the villain. And if anybody's watching this, uh, like knows the name of the villain, please call it out. It, it was either it could have clearly had to be a Blue Beetle Polka villain dot, or man. Not Polka Dot Man. It was like a rainbow. It was like Mr. Prism or something. He he fought with uh, rainbow colors. I remember him on like on Batman comics, but he may have also fought on Blue Beetle comics. He had a thing about using the rainbow, and he like his weapons would emit rainbow colors of different spectrums. Well, what's great about this, like the Blue Beetle, he's not he's not an A list character. No, and that's what not. I loved about. It. He's like more like a C list, like Tony Stark and Iron Man. Like Iron Man was not an A list character, even though he was, but he wasn't. Well, the funny Iron thing Man is, in the comics around that time, he was a B list character. Like when, but they used him for the MCU, and then he became an A list character. Iron Man dropped off being popular for a long time before Robert Downey Jr. donned the role. Well, for me, like he was an A list from when I grew up and reading the comics. Yeah, him in on the Avengers and all that stuff. Right, he was A list, but I understand. Like, but for the MCU, he was a B list superhero, mm-hmm. and the Blue Beetle is more like a C list working his way up. He's he's a kid. He's a teenager. This version of Blue learning Beetle. the ropes, learning the path. This one, yes, yes. But even the even the Ted Cord, he was never A list. True, he did get on the Justice League never. eventually. Yeah, of course, but. But so did Iron Man with the Avengers, and he was not. That's what I love about this: where you don't have the the typical grade A superhero. You have uh, someone you can have a re uh, a fresh take on, and approach. Now, yes, there are similarities to Iron Man. There are also similarities to other franchises. Heck, they even they even reference the Tick. Where? Oh, because it, it looks like a Tick. Yeah. There you go, and it's blue. And what is the Tick? It's blue. Tell me, like, and if this didn't sit with you, that's fine. But when he first transformed what? into... Oh, which I thought was beautiful. I thought that was awesome. It was really well done, by the way. Um, yes. But I, I got love, the vibe the from Guyver. Yes! Thank you. Thank you. Yes! Yes. It, it did not feel like that. See, although it's not, the great, uh, not a great film, let's be honest, it, it had a lot of flaws. And, and, uh, and Mark Hamill was in it for like 10 minutes. OG Guyver, that transformation not, scene, flipping out. But awesome. not just that, even the, the, the anime. Yes. Well, more so the anime. The, uh, that kitchen scene with him turning into it, that's more mm-hmm. closer to the anime in that sense. Uh, but yeah, it but made me feel like it. I love the fact that it burns off the clothes. Yeah. It's not that stupid stuff where the clothes stays on. Like with Iron Man, the clothes stays on. He could mm-hmm. be wearing tight jeans and like that. You can't when you when you have clothes on and then it, you have a suit that wraps around. You're even more bounded. Your flexibility, your mobility, even gets even more stifled. True. Let alone you have the the, the armor on you. That's already have uh, movement restrictions. But you have the clothes on, and then you have like you know the, the it wraps around the, the jeans and like that. So that burning off, and then when he it uh, dissipate dissipates or or goes back into his scabbard, and he's naked. Mm-hmm. I just love that concept of like the detail. Well, yeah, the detail. If it was in the real world, this will happen. Yeah, especially with the alien tech coming on. I mean, for the for the transformation scene, it was it, it looks painful. Which you imagine mm-hmm. it would be, and then uh, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably violent for uh, you know for such a transformation like because yes it's uh, like you have a lot of emotions there's fear there's like confusion there's like uh ration like trying to rationalize what's happening all that's happening you could tell that in the scene not just from Jaime's character but from the family and there's moments of humor absolutely but you can oh from George Lopez yeah yes and then you and you know, throw in the intense transformation that happens, and the response from George Lopez—that's a valid response. He's like, he's possessed. <laughs> and <laughs> well, you don't know exactly, but I also like there's a Spider-Man reference there too, mm-hmm. where the mask is broken, and just like with Tobey Maguire's mask, yeah, it partially goblin, shows his face and whatnot. Yeah, have the, the, the yellow eye and the mask and his regular face. 
showing through. Awesome. And then you have the also the Iron Spider-Man reference too, mm-hmm. when he's fighting the soldiers where the characters oh, yeah. are going out by itself. I and mean, the gadgets and and it, the, the, what they did there with the gadgets was awesome. How the, like they represented the powers of the Blue Beetle, I think, perfectly in that. Oh yeah, I mean, a, a easiest way to catch up on like what the Blue Beetle can do besides playing the video game. Actually, that probably is the easiest way of playing Injustice 2. Watch Young Justice. Fantastic show on HBO mm-hmm. Max. They do a great job of summing up the potential and what the Blue Beetle can do. Is I mean, that was like the first... Was that the first? No, second season of Young Justice, I want to say. When they introduced Blue Beetle, Jaime's character. I guess. I can't remember, can't remember right now. Yeah, but like he but pretty much... there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a, like a central part of, of the character's archetype that he could pretty much he's like iron man suit mixed with venom that's the best way i can describe it very good yes did you have a favorite scene there is a few but the one i liked is when he kind of lets loose on the guards in the tunnel both times in the tunnel and at the house both are good where he's kind of knowing when he's kind of knowing what to do, like how to, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to kill. So the suit says, we can do this. Here you go. And he's like, okay, great. Bah, bah, bah. And that was awesome. But when he's fighting Carapace. the soldiers in the tunnel. Oh no, I'm sorry. You know, Carabox was okay. And I'll talk about that suit later. Cause that reminded me of something else. And I think you, you, you would agree. The tentacles going out and fighting. And then, but sometimes they, you know, they'll shoot and he's getting hit where, where he was before in the air, he's being shot at. He's not even moving, but when he's fighting them in the tunnel, he's acting like they're, he's feeling the ricochet. Maybe because even though she rebooted, maybe she's not 100%. And so he's feeling some of the impact of the shots. But I, those are two scenes I did like a lot. True. What about you? On that note, it could be also because he's in closer proximity. In the air, like there was more distance between. Like Here he's like practically right up on him. But... As and it's also a mental thing, bro. You, th- you know, you think you're gonna hit, get hit, even though you know it's not gonna hurt. You might flinch. True. Those are good scenes. I will say, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite is the transformation. Uh, I just thought that was a, like a fantastic interpretation of how this happened uh, for him in that regards. I do think it was also kind of the, the first time he. Um, not the first time, second time he transformed and fought characters. The scene itself was pretty the cool. Ju- the, the jumping? No, when he caught the fist. The, first, the second time? Oh, yes, when he was the, about to hit her. Yeah, and right. it, it, and I was like, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> oh, where was this supposed to be taking place? So this is Palmer City. Uh, Ray Palmer, uh, the Atom, he comes in and he like rebuilds the city using his money and so forth. And they named the city Palmer City. Hold on, real quick. Because I think he said something else. Like, it, it, you could be right, but I'm just... They name uh, is like West Keys or something like that. It's, it it looks like very much like... Well, that's, that's like the a, town. That, yeah. But, okay. So, anyway. They definitely took different scenes. Well, not necessarily where it was filmed. Because it looked like a many different places. Mm-hmm. One definitely was Miami. I got that vibe. Because when... When it transformed the first time and he's flying through the city and he goes by this one building and there's a black guy walking by, it's before the bus crash. Mm-hmm. It flew by my, my job. I mean, the airport alone and, and, the, and the, whole, uh, the home he worked in, those both gave me like a Florida vibe. Right. But what I'm saying, it, it could have been a mixture. It could have been Hialeah where they were staying at, whatever. But there's really no hills in Miami. Yeah. Where that bus was coming down, there's no hills like that. Maybe San Francisco, but definitely not here. And again, when it drove by, when it, when it flew by, there's one guy who was walking and I saw the building. I was like, wait a minute, I worked there. And then there's an actor, the, the car that the, the car that he crashed on top of right before the bus yes. split, the actor in there, he's a, a famous Spanish actor. He was in the movie with, Jennifer Aston and Adam Sandler, the last one they did. He was the pilot. And I can't, his name is escaping me right now. Hmm. And by the way, I found out. So, so uh, the Blue Beetle was mainly filmed in Decatur, Georgia, but also El Paso, Texas, as well as Puerto Rico. And Miami. Definitely Miami. That was Brickell Heights. 
That and Brickle Heights is in Miami, so definitely there. Uh, but yes, a Palm, Palmera City. You're right. Mm-hmm. There was a moment there which I thought was smart, cute, and realistic, where he and Homegirl were about to make out, mm-hmm. and Rudy cu- cuts in. Did you notice what Jaime did? As they were leaving? Oh. Yeah. He's wearing the blue jumpsuit. Oh, like, he, he pushed it down? Nose. He pulled it down? He pushed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yes. that. To hide his excitement. <laughs> to hide it. I thought that was so smart. I looked at Kim and she just like, Man, that's realistic. He's about to hit on a hot girl. They're about to make out. True. Hello. And then you get that, you get that little later on, right before he transforms, which, there he goes, there he goes a fupa. He transforms in the middle of the street. And no one except for his family sees all the party goers, the people that came there to help celebrate. I feel like most of those people that live in that neighborhood are, already saw him that night that his father died. Because his, like, his mask came off and they all knew that, yeah. And they yeah, were attacking they, they his house. Afterwards. They came out afterwards. Yeah, they, they didn't do shit. I'll, I'll just say that. They didn't they do didn't, shit. They no, they the didn't cops. do shit. But you know, you, like we were talking about, people don't do shit, but they still be watching. You know, there's probably somebody out right. there with their phone that has that has that entire event completely filmed. I bet you the yeah, entire community the you noticed, knew about that. But you knew you noticed that when after all that has happened and the father's you know laying with a heart attack, mm-hmm. that's when they call. Of course. Of course. Not to say I was touched the passing of the father. I felt I felt that. Yeah. Granted, he did seem old. He seemed more like a grandfather. And I was telling that to Kim. I was like, a lot of Hispanics, they get married and have kids starting at 22, maybe 30. If your kid is like 20, like he was, and says of graduating from college, you're at least 50, maybe younger. The father looked old, closer to the to the nana's age. I mean, when you think about it, George Lopez ain't no spring chicken neither. Yeah, but he's not the father. It's true. But he's supposed to be the younger one. I understand that, but I'm just saying it would have made more sense if he was the father in yeah. that aspect then. And also with Carapax. Now, granted, when he transformed into the next level, he did not remind you of two things. One, Centurions. That comic the, the I get it. Show. Yeah. I remember what you're talking and about. And the evil character from the black hole, the evil android. The black hole. Black hole. It's from Disney. It came out right after Star Wars, pretty much. So it was trying to follow that kind of sci-fi. I don't go remember the black hole. Real quick. What? Okay. Oh, go to Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus? It's from Disney. It's a Disney movie. There's two androids. There's one that's small, cute, circular, kind of like R2-D2. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's kind of similar to the android from Battlestar Galactica. Are you talking it, about it, just it, his it, suit? His suit. Um, let's see. It has a wingspan. It has a wingspan. The headpiece look very similar. So I'll show you right now. Here you go. Oh, 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 I can see it. I got the vibe more like, uh, remember Iron Man's um, Ironmonger, the red yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Ironmonger. Was Ironmonger red? The Crimson Dynamo, I think, I think Crimson it, Dynamo. There you go. That's why, like, the vibe of, I got. But I also got the vibe from Whiplash. Funny thing. Uh, he in, came out with a whip. In Iron Man 2, his father in uh, Iron Man 2 was supposed to be the Crimson Dynamo. Right. Even Kim remembered. She, she said Maximilian. He's like, who the hell is Maximilian? He's like, that's the robot with the guy. I was like, holy shit, she remembers that. And then that's a long time ago. I, ne- I used to watch I, that I never watched that movie. The- oh, you need to. I didn't understand why he grabbed the equipment. He uh like when he did that last transformation and he grabbed he grabbed like one piece of equipment and I was like, that made no sense. I understand like which which, which equipment? The in the lab. I, it was either that or he was just flinching and he just grabbed something, grabbed something. It looked like a device he grabbed and then he started transforming. Okay. But his transformation looked more painful. Oh, yeah. Well, he was already in pain anyway. Yeah. Cause you, and you see the surgeries afterwards. Like it, it's basically he's a hodgepodge right. of experiments put together. He's Vader. Hello. That went right into full circle again to that Star Wars reference. It's been so long. <laughs> Because he is, he's he's Anakin in a way that Anakin is half human, half machine. He was recruited as a child. He, exactly. Oh my God! And she's Palpatine. Yes, Palpatine. she was manipulating and him the entire time, teaching yes. him that he is the way and that love will weaken him. Yes, there you go. <laughs> but the thing is, is that they say that 
for Vader to have that anger, there's like his suit is full of like needles and all that stuff to make him suffer. Yes, I heard that. Like uh, his suit was actually designed for two things, like the Emperor's influence. Like his suit could have been made better, but it was actually Mm -hmm. made to actually still keep him in pain as well as not him to have his full faculty. So he doesn't have his full usage of the force. So actually, even though he's super strong with the force, he was handicapped because he was uh, also disconnected. The emperor always had, you know, thought that he would try to take over. So that's why he handicapped him. And Carapax was as well. Yeah. He was handicapped too, because he was always promised to be, you know, better. We'll make you better. We'll make you whole. We'll get you you to what you want. Yes. And Jaime being the AKA, Luke of the story, Luke uh, comes to mm-hmm. a, a pivotal moment where a spirit, uh, like a force ghost, as you were, has to guide him to the next journey of his path. Full on Star Wars the connection is there, people. <laughs> Not only did we get uh, Vader, we got Emperor and Obi Wan and uh, Luke. The father was Obi Wan. Yeah, especially in the death, which uh, the death I, scene. I um. Which is a good scene in, in itself. Did you, you remind you of Black Panther? Yeah, I can see what you're talking about for Black Panther. I was also thinking this could technically be the suit. That's a running arc with the suit. The suit is sentient, and it doesn't. Right. Even though it wants to support Jaime, it doesn't cave in to support Jaime a hundred percent. It has its own well, goals. It has a, has a, right. Has its own agenda. And it's been known. And we'll probably see that in a sequel. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, in, uh, at least in the stories I know of it, it's been known to manipulate him. So it, it's fusing right. his mind. So, it, like, it could possibly manipulate his own memory, making him think that he's seeing his father. And then, but in actuality, it's a suit saying, you need to actually embrace me in order to do this and just using the, the guise of the father as a means to convince him. Do you think in this version, That'll be totally true because remember in the beginning it wanted to kill, absolutely, and it stopped him from killing. It was warning him actually. Yes, mm-hmm. and then then it then it took control like don't kill. It showed sympathy like like yeah, it became sentient. It showed sympathy for Carapax because of, look, he suffered more so than you ever by showing the memories. Yeah, but. Since we just bring up that, most likely I'm going to be a sequel, and it should, because I, again, I totally enjoy this. I would love to see where this will go. So the, uh, do you think I the heard, well for, well, for one, if it's not, it's, uh, there is more likely a sequel, but they may also use this to spin off Booster Gold. Because to remember, there's supposed to be a Booster Gold series. In- I think they're saying that also that uh, Chris Pratt may be Booster Gold. I can see him as a good Booster Gold. Yeah. And Booster Gold, Booster Gold is, a, is such a tight end character. He's the best friend. And there was a story arc where Blue Beetle actually dies. And Booster Gold does like that butterfly effect thing where he tries to save Blue Beetle over and over right, and over again. Because he can time travel. He's from the future. Mm-hmm. But it becomes – it's like a fixed point where he can't save him. He has to learn the hard way. And, and at one point, Blue Beetle well, that's even – kind of like Doctor – that's like Doctor Strange in the What If series. Exactly. That something similar happens like that, but it's way more brutal. Uh, and to the point where Blue Beetle realizes what's happening, he goes, "You have to let me die," and it's a horrible death. And he just lets, uh, and he just lets it happen. But then he becomes like somewhat mentor to the new Blue Beetle. Did you recognize one of the comedians, Sanchez, uh, mm-hmm. Felipe Espalda? He is one of the guards that when the cartoon came on the animation of the oh. The so one guard that stood like, out that laughing. like he, I'm like I saw him. I'm like you're out. Of, you don't fit the picture, bro. <laughs> Anything else? Because I, I mean, seventy nine percent is so low. Again, this is a solid ninety percent rating movie. I think I the audience it, will it, get along with this movie better than the critics. I really do. My concern is that since this is heavily uh, Latin X character. Mm-hmm. and story driven is freaking directed by a latinx director uh i believe the the writer is as well and he had the the cast is who the only white person or non-latinx person is susan saranda i thought she was she did good. pretty good she did pretty good she wasn't an opposing character she wasn't evil in comparison to what we've had and you understand her drive yeah 
I felt like there was more to yeah, her yeah. story than that than was shown. Because she's like, I'm doing this for the greater good. Like, I, if there's like a deleted scene that. out there expanding the story for her character more, I would not be surprised. She was giving me the vibe like Lex Luthor, but less Luthor. Mm-hmm. You don't understand the bigger picture. I have a goal to protect us and the world, and you don't realize this. I, yes, I deal with weapons, but this is the end goal. And she, she always but saying, who was like that? besides Tony Lex Luthor, oh Tony Stark, yeah. But she's like the bad you know, version Tony, of Tony Stark. He right because remember Tony had you know his family, the business of making weapons for you know military weapons, right? Mm-hmm. And it went to the they sold it to anybody, didn't really matter. But then after the first Avengers. The Age of Ultron happened, where he made multiple figures to protect the world at any given moment. So they're always there. So that you know, the rest of the team were against that. Yeah, but I can see her point in that way. Where if Tony Stark was able to get away with it, that's her right there. They even say the Scarab is a world-ending device. They've had it in their families for. Uh, at least a generation or two now they've been experimenting on it and studying in it if i knew if i was a billionaire rich person with the studying of a world ending device and i know it's coming from an alien organization i would want to prepare for the outside the possible threat by utilizing this weapon as, as best as possible to get us to that level yeah i can see getting to that point of the ends justify the means some uh, sacrifices have to be made for the greater good because she's trying to potentially save humanity. But that's never really expressed other than potential value of greed or whatever until like closer to the end. Because I'm like, there has to be something more than just the greed by the vibe I'm getting off of her. Right. But I felt like she was also ignored because she w- did, she was an asset in the beginning. But then mm-hmm. as things progressed, it was like she got more pushed to the side. And like Hella. And I get the credits. Like who? Like Hella. Thor's sister. Right. Well, she yeah. wasn't buried. So I get like Hella. But yeah. She, but, right. well, yeah. I mean, well, in essence, like Odin used Hella to take over Asgard mm-hmm. and conquer mm-hmm. uh, Asgard. Mm-hmm. And without mm-hmm. her, probably wouldn't have been able to succeed per the, right. the MCU. Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, she was cast aside at, for her brother to be the ruler. Or potential ruler. Right, because the, the representation of man can't have a, a woman ruling, it has to be a man. Yeah. That kind of bullcrap. But yeah, it's I feel like her time. character, there was more to it than what was led on. I actually would have been okay with Carapus being just a bad guy, not like a, a guy who was like had a misunderstood past or anything. If he just was a pure mercenary that he's like, this is what I do and I'm good at it. I would have been like, okay, yeah. He just seemed pretty old as well. I was like, really? I was like, you can't get someone that's a little bit younger, a little easier to manipulate. Because the mm-hmm. thing is, he is old. Yeah, they show her. character, <laughs> same age. At least. He's he's five years younger than our mom. He was born mm-hmm. in, the, the actor. He yeah, so he's in, in his 60s. Right? Oh. Yeah. He'll be, he'll, he'll be, like, he's like 69 or, yeah. or 68, 67. By the time he filmed it, he was probably 66 or 65. But the thing is, the sucker's old. And you can see that dye job was so bad. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know what, just kept him, just leave it gray. He was a great actor. But I just think he was just too old. It would have been better if he was a lot younger. It makes sense because like the way they depict it is like he was found as a child and whatnot. Yeah, I get it. Life is hard and that ages you. But damn, bro. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I've just aged you a century. Because, like, Susan Sarandon is like, yeah, let's use him. And she's got, like, child soldier in, uh, enlistment. And she's been there from the get-go. Like, either right. you have some good beauty care or life just hit I mean, him super should, hard. They, I mean, if they used a boy for him, they should use a younger version of her, like someone in the twenties or yeah, in the twenties to make it a little more believable. But she looks the same. Yeah. She wasn't, I don't think they, it, if they de age, well, I mean, she didn't look de aged. She looks great for her age. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's always held up yeah. like pretty good over the years. Now the costume of the blue beetle. Yeah. 
can I say perfection? I, I, you know what? This is going to be one of those few times I'm going to have to say, damn, they got the costume right. That is Spider-Man accurate. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Like Spider-Man, you can't really mess up. It's pretty simple design. Here is more intricate, and boy, they got it right. Even mm-hmm. the talking. Oh, the, the moving, the jaw. Moving. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. And the yellow eyes. Jumping between like the CGI to the, the, the real prosthetics. Seamless. And the CGI wasn't even bad. Of course, the CGI flying yeah. and the crashing, what have you, that, that happened. But yes, for the most part, you could not tell what was actual costume to the CGI version. Yeah. Again, I, I applaud this movie. This should be definitely ranked higher by the critics, and it should definitely be higher uh, rated by the audience. I'm giving it into the 90s. What about you? I will go solid 89. I'm, I'm being critical. DC. DCU is the first one. Wait. You can't really call Flash. You can't really call Flash the DCU. That's like, eh. Okay. That's like an epi- like epilogue of DCE. Then, then it's number one in my book if it's just the DCU. <laughs> but of the DCEU, of all the live action DC movies in that genre, now we'll put this at the be, end of it. Can't be Wonder Woman. Sorry. No, that's right. I, right, it's, it's right under. It's right under Wonder Woman. It's under Wonder Woman. You know what? It's going to be in my top three. Yeah, it will be in my top three. You know, I and I'm being real critical of it. It's one? probably going to be. Uh, What's the third one? The Suicide Squad. Not the Suicide Squad. No, I did like Suicide no, Squad. The, that's, oh yeah, no, yeah. Suicide I, Squad's I keep the one. Flipping the two. It's, it's like this. It's like Suicide Squad and like the Suicide Squad. I did like the Suicide Squad so much. Yeah. Shazam and Aquaman are going to be really close after that. Like, for me, it's like either. So, I love Batman versus Superman, the extended version. Ooh, I almost forgot. It's been so long, I forget Man of Steel. Man of Steel is also going. Yeah, there's some food pause there, there's some bad editings in both of them, but it does tell a good story of the character. It has the drive, it has the arc. Yeah. For each of them. Yes. So I would but, put Man of Steel above Aquaman. Definitely. So. Yeah. I'm just, Shazam, I think, beats out Aquaman just a little bit. Yeah. I would say in the top three, it'll be Wonder Woman, uh, Man of Steel, and Blue Beetle. The more I think about it, Blue Beetle is a really well, well done film. I can't argue against it. Yes. Definitely worth the watch. Definitely worth the own. Mm-hmm. Now, Kids granted, are probably going to enjoy it. I told Dennis. Take your boy to see this movie. Not only is it because it's a great superhero, but it is it's a great family representation film. of the Latinx, Hispanic, Latino community. Mm-hmm. It's done in a positive way, in a good way. You know, you have a, you have Jaime, who's you know pre-law. You know, they're they're facing some hardships, and he's trying to do right. You know, and the parents, the family, keep it on the hush because they don't want his his. Um, education to hinder. I want to say there's only been home. four characters that died on in the movie. In essence, there was clearly one of the soldiers with the the ship. Right. He was like, he's stuck. I'm like, that guy's dead. Sanchez. Well, was like, definitely. My... Well, no, but Carapax. Yeah, Car- Sarandon. They they died. Exactly. Uh, and, but like the Sanchez guy, he's like, all I'll those be... soldiers died. All those soldiers died. Why? When, because when of the part. That was funny. Okay, I forgot about that. I forgot about that, the, the beetle fart. But come on, the, the whole place exploded. The island exploded. That's fair. No one survived. No one escaped. No, so no one sure survived. More, more than four people died. But. Yeah. But his uncle killed that one soldier for sure. Oh, yeah. Please. Oh, his grandmother definitely killed. Oh, she sure did. Yeah, that's not a thing. No, I take no, that back. That, there was a bunch okay. of death in that movie. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> nah, she nah, was nah. no joke. And it was, it was, I love that part. And it says, you see that you see her past come from there. She had some like guerrilla warfare, militia mm-hmm. experience. Now, uh, real quick, I know we're, we're pretty much done this, but what movie did we just see that about clones? We, oh, Secret Invasion. We did a review on that and we pretty much hated it. Yeah. And it dawned on to me like a couple days ago that a show that did a far better job of cloning or copying or taking over someone was peacemaker 
Yeah, no, uh, Peacemaker was a better job of a secret invasion style uh, story yes. with aliens. Correct. If James Gunn has a plan and he rocked it without really letting us know what the Peacemaker is going to be about and what he did with the Suicide Squad and how he finished the Guardians of the Galaxies and him saying that the Blue Beetle is the prologue of the DCU, I am excited to see what's going to happen. I'm hopeful. Uh, let's talk about the gadgets of the Blue Beetle, but not the new one, not the Jaime Reyes, but Ted Kord's. Now, do you recognize the one where it was kind of like the old, well, not the old Captain America, but the Captain America shield at one time when the shield was broken in the comics, he had a, yeah, they, a I guess, a laser LED one kind of shield and they, they reprised it in, or they did an Easter egg of it on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, they also did it on the animated uh, Avengers show, uh, was it Earth's Mightiest Heroes or uh, Avengers yes. Assembled? Right. Either of those? But her sh- but her S.H.I.E.L.D., did you recognize the glove? Oh, absolutely. That was the, like, I saw it on the wall and I was laughing to myself. I'm like, oh, that's a Nintendo Power Glove. And it, yes, I, honest- me too. <laughs> honestly, it looked identical. Like, they... Whoever was the prop guy, I don't know if he said, this is just perfect the way it is. We just need to add this like one little piece of plastic right here because it looked like it had a little- What was like, that? It was like a plastic screen that they had. Oh, um, okay. And maybe some lights. But other than that, it was identical. My mind went back to the old school movie, The Wizard. Yes. It was just funny because like literally just a few days ago, I was talking to a friend at work- uh- about the power glove and everybody at work was like, what the hell are you talking about? And we had to go down memory lane and explain what this thing was. Well, for me, like when I saw that and then when I saw his outfit or not his, um, the blue beetles, Jaime Reyes blue beetle, where she said, whatever you think of, I can create. It just reminded me of green lantern. Oh, absolutely. No, uh, that's that point. Yeah, like, that was like the ring talking to how Jordan kind of situation, well, especially with the, with the fist she had, that she, she, or one of the constructs of the glove that had the fist that was pretty much out of Al Jordan's uh, repertoire of having a boxing glove come out to throw, to throw a strike or have a hand or a catcher's mitt to catch something or someone that's falling. Yes. If you think about it, if Blue Beetle Ted Cord knew one of the Green Lanterns, like Alan Scott, for example, not the Green Lantern Cord that everybody knows, mm-hmm. but Alan Scott, that would be something that he would. Can I duplicate that kind of situation? Right. And possibly, which is a good thing in a sense of bringing those characters to the DCU. How can it be? How can it relate? Oh, Ted Corey was, again, like you said, friends with a Green Lantern from another dimension or on his travels, like you, you just saw, like we just saw from the possible end credit where we thought that could be Booster Gold. Another time. So it's, it's not that far out of reach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just to piggyback what you were saying about making the weapons uh, however you want, Jaime's big sword, for those who play video games, reminded me of the Buster Sword from um, Final Fantasy. Not exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, but it had that saying that the big ass, overdramatic sword, and the way he did it was very kung fu. Absolutely. Wait, very the flourish. It. Right. And then with um, the chop down, did he spin before he struck Carlbox? Uh, you talking about when he ran and did the power slide and then did the chop? Well, well no, there's a one though. He's from the air, the aerial. Did he spin? It looked like, I can't remember. He might, I think he might have did a spin. Yeah. As the characters, I, I can't remember if you mentioned it earlier, but the grandma was a great character. Yeah. She was a great character. You know, we learned something about her that no one else knew. We like, we learned it with them mm-hmm. or the, the, the family learned it with us in the sense of her past. But to me, I think the weakest was, the sister and that whole that. dynamic she was the one like she's the one that got him in trouble she's the one that got him fired but she's also got him responsible got him the blue beetle he was like is is i guess uh lucky misadventures i did have a thought like when she ta- uh like was she graffitied oh that, was, that made no sense it's like no how sense. fast like where was the spray cans for one because it didn't show that she found mm-hmm. it she just picked it up and it was just one spray can, as if she just approached it for the first time. It has different colors. Different colors, correct. And then it would not have time to dry by the time it got to the island. By the time it got mm-hmm. to the island, 
that that word, that graffiti would have been smeared. True. I was more of the mindset of like, why tag it? And then there was never, unless it's a deleted scene, there was never any reference to her tagging or having it. Like in Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, they start off with him doing tickers, uh, tickers, stickers, uh, and then t- uh, tagging with his uncle in the subway. Mm-hmm. Granted, he doesn't really do it much, but he, we know now that that's, that's a him. thing. That's part of him. Here, yeah. I get she wears like fishnet stockings, that she's kind of rebellious, that she it's like kind of like her uncle, like she doesn't really like people in higher status or authority. Not right. once does she do anything that's like an artistic way or right. that There's she's no, like a tagger. Yeah, you don't see her drawing or anything like that in that reference. Yeah. Correct. So I agree with that. It made no sense. It was, it, it, it was a scene not needed. Mm-hmm. Now, did you or did you not think of when he saw the the Beetle Mobile? I guess that's what it's called, the Beetle Mobile. That it kind of remind me of Watchmen. It does kind of remind me of Watchmen, but the big eyes. I remember the ship from the comics, and oh, and, no, I, it's, and I it's almost like, I could I, be wrong, but I want to say that ship predated the Watchmen. Oh, I think so too. I, yeah. I mean, Ted Cord's Blue Beetle was like in the. 50s and Watchmen came out in the 80s, I believe. I mean, come on, Owlman looks like Batman and Brown. It's true. I just got a kick out of the the special weapons and seeing that, I thought of you because I know you're a big Nintendo fan. Do you have that glove? So I never got the power glove. I had the weird helmet that came shortly after that, where it was like you would have a microphone and you were supposed to be like, Fire rockets, da 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 da, and it's supposed to be firing on it. And then I had the the Nintendo pistol, but oh, um, everyone did that. Everybody got that with the duck hunt and all that. So I had the he- headgear, which I don't think I have the headgear anymore. But I remember around that time the power glove was out before the headgear, and then there was the bazooka. <laughs> yeah, but the, the power glove was a bad invention. Yes. Uh, it didn't that make any sense? Because the thing is, like, you have one glove, you're like Michael Jackson, and then you have to refer to the buttons anyway. Absolutely. The Control idea – was like, so I found this out when I double-checked, like, coworkers and people that were too young to even know what this was. Mm-hmm. So it actually used sound as a way to – because you were supposed to use your hand – do it like this way for people who are watching. You're supposed to use your hand – to like navigate the screen. So like you to the left, you're going to the left, go right, so forth like that. And so mm-hmm. instead of using the thing, it had a full-on control and a keyboard on the power glove. The keyboard was relatively useless uh, because the games weren't using those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of the time people would just end up using the keyboard and it wasn't as responsive, but it was supposed to use sound as a way to track your movement. Sadly was enough- it wireless? It, Was it wireless or wired? Because I, I mean, it, I think I had the glove. I. It was still wired to maintain power and some, you know, and send feedback back. So it wasn't wireless in that sense. Of course, the flaw with doing sound is it's picking up all the other sounds in the room too. So a lot of times the responsiveness of it wasn't that good because it was emitting its own sound in order to track that. Controllers to be wireless, I think, was PlayStation. Like truly wireless? <laughs> and, and- and then oh, also to go, really? like, you can move the controller and then it'll just the access. I think that was PlayStation. Is there anything else that we should... No, we don't need to talk about the Tacoma. <laughs> oh, the taco? Oh, the taco. Which I, so I say call, I say a taco, then I'll say, ah, now I got it. Yeah, because there's a Tacoma. Is that he's giving a nickname to Tacoma? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was trying to figure out, I was like, why I don't get the taco reference. I mean, I know they're Mexican, but that's kind of... Being scared, like, then I got like, oh. I mean, that was the only time he Smart. referred to it as the taco, though, right? He he referred to it a couple of times. He then he said sometimes like, Tacoma. Yeah, I just thought that was a great smart bringing back something that because probably because that's what Ted Cord had. He probably had a Nintendo glove, and he says, "How can I make this useful for me?" Well, I mean, if you look at his uh, the, like, the hideout, all his equipment is like around the eighties. Like uh, the TVs, they were old school CCTV, uh, like mm-hmm, tube TVs. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. keyboard equipment, like literally, I could see everything. And the music, some of the music that was playing in the thing was uh, in the ship was like eighties right. music. So that would make sense. That, but it, it's kind of a shame when you think about it. Eighties music is now token. considered old. Well, I know. Then how the daughter? Because then that time reference doesn't match. 
because she'll be in her 30s or even 40s, depending on when mm-hmm. she was born. So like that, and when he, because that, that glove came out in the late 80s. Well, I would say she would theoretically be in her 20s, probably mid 20s, kind of be pushing if it's late 20s. Because she seemed like she would be older. Um, well, yes. He just, he's like, he graduated. law so that's kind of like. Early 20s. Yeah. So I would think that she she could have gotten away with being born in the 90s. Because say, say if it was 2023 and she was born in the 90s, maybe mid to late, late 90s. That would put her just over being a little middle age, uh, middle, not middle age, mid 20s to him. And uh, no, it, she's, it, no, no, buddy, it's, two, it's 2023 now. If she's born in the 90s, 30s, she'll eight, be in her 30s. Late <laughs> was there a mention of when, how old she was when he disappeared? She said she was eight when he disappeared. That equipment he used would have still been accessible in the 90s. Right. Depending on when, yeah, maybe like say she was born in 1995. Let's say that. And that makes her, you know, like 28. Yeah. And no. that's that's feasible. Uh, no, no. Yeah, twenty eight, twenty eight. Or maybe he found it. He had it somewhere, and he found the glove, and he was trying. You know, even later. I mean, if Susan Sarandon can hold, uh, like hold up her looks after enlisting a <laughs> child soldier a, a, all the way a through child soldier up to the to the sixty five. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're right. Who are we to judge? <laughs> I just also had another thought that was a, a little bit creepy. So there was moments where she's kind of trying to use flirtation against him, Sir, Susan Sarandon's character, right? To Carapax? Yeah. Like in the kitchen. Well, yeah, almost, and, like, almost like they're a, a couple. Almost. It's like yeah, a form of manipulation. Sense, they should just pick the younger guy for that. I'm sorry. But it, he was. This is where it gets creepy. Okay. She's basically, unless she forgot who he was. She basically knew him as a child, right, all the way yeah. through his adulthood, and she was a full-grown she was woman, basically a surrogate mother, Ooh. adopted mother. Again, they, someone younger should have played him; it would made more sense. Not the same age as as Jaime, but definitely younger than sixty-five, maybe solid thirties. All right, guys, that is our DCness review of the Blue Beetle. Have you seen it? What was your favorite moment? Please let us know in the comments below. Also, if you have a movie or show you'd like us to review, either comment below in the description or email us at tales2bros at gmail.com. Until the next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, too.